If you can keep at it and if you can be resilient in the face of what life is going to throw you, because ultimately, if you know that the story is that you were put here because there's something that you have to offer that will make this world better, you're going to find fulfillment. You're going to be happier. It's going to change the way you look at your paradigm and you are going to make something amazing. They don't teach us this in school. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Hey guys, it's Kathy. What's up? So I just felt this need to do something extra special. It's the beginning of a school year and I'm thinking about you guys so much and this community is just growing and it's so incredible and I wanted to talk about something extra. I want to talk about what they don't teach you in school. So we're actually going to do this in two parts. Today, we're going to talk about some of the big mindset stuff, some of the juicy psychological pieces that have been researched, some of the data that suggests the biggest things that we need to hold on to in terms of how we look at the world and what's really, really fueling us. And next week, we're going to talk about what they don't teach you in school as it relates to your business. Like what are the aspects of your business that they don't talk to you about in school, but that you absolutely need to understand about how to grow a successful, thriving community, a tribe to sell whatever it is you're offering, whether it's your product, your service, your swimwear, your cupcakes. We're going to talk about how do you really understand what you need in business. We're going to do that part next week. But today we're going to talk about some of the most essential things about how to have a more fulfilling, purposeful life. We're going to get into that right now. We're going to talk about what they don't teach you in school. This is a really juicy topic. In fact, today, my seven-year-old started second grade and my five-year-old started kindergarten. And I often think about what are the things that I'm hoping to teach them and what are the most important things that I, I know that I've learned and I know that I want them to learn that they may not learn in school. In fact, looking back and looking at my life today, I feel like so many of the most essential things that I carry with me I did not learn in school. In fact, I think school actually promotes some of the things that have been in my way. Carol Dweck is an incredible researcher and she has a book on mindset and she's done all these studies in classrooms and she's looked at what really helps people to achieve and she's seen the way that we are actually taught in school and how some of that really gets in our way. We're, we're taught to, to have achievement. We're taught to get certain grades. We're taught to have certain outcomes rather than being praised for effort. And so much of life is about perseverance and so many things are about having to figure them out. And what's really cool is that when you look at the brain, your brain is malleable. There's a neuroplasticity to the brain. And so you actually can get better at so many things. You can get better at songwriting. You can get better at cooking. You can get better at playing piano. There's so many things that you can really improve upon. But for so many of us, when we don't achieve something immediately, when we don't have that immediate result that we're looking for or that we think we're supposed to have, we give up and we give up way too soon. In fact, they say that something like 97% of the world gave up way too soon. And 
and they're working for the 3% of people who didn't give up, who stayed in it. And so I want to talk about this growth mindset for a little bit. And then I want to talk about some of the other things that I hope are going to help you as you continue to, to soldier on. So Carol talks about how a fixed mindset, which is what we're taught in school, is the belief that ability is fixed. It's like, this is the smart person. You know, this is the person who's not so smart. This is the classroom for the kids who are high achievers. These are the kids who are not high achievers. But a growth mindset is the ability that things are malleable and things can be developed. There's also the interpretation of effort. So effort is not really what's praised. If you're smart, you shouldn't have to work hard. But a growth mindset suggests that effort is awesome. And actually, effort is how you get better at anything. In school, what matters is looking smart so you can prove your ability, but really what matters is learning so you can improve your ability. The response we have to academic setbacks are, is usually like this helpless feeling. You know, we, we see a setback as a sign that we don't have what it takes, but in the growth mindset, resilience is really what's most important. And a setback is a sign that you're going to work harder or you're going to try a new strategy. And that's actually something that you're expecting because resilience is the ultimate thing that you need to succeed. We're taught certain meanings of failure. Failure is the end of the story. Failure means it's time to give up. But in a growth mindset, this is what Carol Dweck is talking about. Failure is the beginning of the story. Failure is just time to keep trying again. You're sort of anticipating this. And in my life, there's so many things that I've tried that didn't work. People see that I have a podcast. People see I started a podcast 19 months ago. We have almost 3 million downloads and Apple keeps featuring us and it's amazing. And I'm speaking in New York City next week and all of that is so fantastic. And at the same time, there are so many things that you don't see that I've tried that didn't work. I tried to make a TV show about 10 years ago and I went to every network and every network said no. I wrote a book on songwriting three years ago, sent it to many publishers. Everybody said no. I, I tried to get a record deal. I finally had one. I got dropped from the label. There have been so many things in my life that didn't work, but the most important thing that I hope my kids will learn, and they may not learn it in school, so I'm going to have to give it to them, is resilience. I feel like one of the biggest things that I'm supposed to do as a parent is to help them weather being uncomfortable, is to help them stay in it, to not necessarily give them the answers, but to to help them tolerate that feeling that they, they want to just give up on the puzzle or they just want to quit when they don't feel like they're getting the result that they want immediately. And this is so huge. So I hope that when you're listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, Maybe I should pick up the guitar again. Maybe if I didn't get that great result from starting the blog on day one, maybe I should stay in it a little bit longer. I just heard a statistic that three-fourths of all podcasts only last seven episodes because most people give up after the seventh episode. They don't keep going. They don't get the audience that they think they're supposed to get right away. They don't get the reviews they think they're supposed to get right away, and they give up. So what do we take from Carol Dweck's research? What we know is that the students who had this growth mindset, they did better. They actually started to achieve and perform higher than the students that actually were quote unquote smarter with better IQs. She went into different schools in the inner cities and she found that the kids who weren't testing well, the kids who didn't stack up against everybody else, when she was able to teach them a growth mindset, when she was able to teach them to cultivate this feeling of putting an effort and instead of walking away, rolling up their sleeves and actually getting excited to be part of a challenge without being so hard on themselves and reframing the way they looked at failure, she had incredible results. There was a school in Harlem, a school in the South Bronx, and a school on a Native American reservation that outshined and outperformed some of the best schools in the country 
when these particular schools she went into had the worst performance and the worst grades, when she was just able to shape the way they, they treated failure, shape the way they treated their mindset, they actually wound up getting a completely different result. So I hope that that's something that we continue to talk about, but this is really, really key. How you shape the way you look at what it is that really is a failure and what it is that really you need when resilience is really the thing. There's a quote from Carol Dweck. She says, the best thing parents can do is teach their children to love challenges, to be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, and keep on learning. So resilience is huge. Just to give you a good example of this, you know, there's so many famous people in the world today, but one of the most successful human beings on the face of the earth, maybe of all time, is Elon Musk. Now, what's interesting about Elon Musk is that so many of the things that he attempted to do failed miserably over and over and over and over again until they actually got off the ground. A perfect example of that is his SpaceX, right? So he was trying to get this thing launched and for five straight years, it was just a failure. He was going bankrupt. Like he just would send rockets up there. They would explode, like nothing was working. And this was also true about Tesla. After a year when Tesla first came out, people said that it was gonna go bankrupt. People said it would be a complete failure. And he was interviewed and he said, you know, the thing is that I'm really hoping that this will inspire other people to put their time and resources into space travel or into creating cars that are eco-friendly, but he just didn't give up. He wasn't overwhelmed by failure. He continued to persevere. So what is it that allows people to have that resilience? What is one of the qualities that I hope my kids are going to learn that's going to keep them going. So one thing that really is in play here is purpose. In my own life, in my own search, I wanted to be happier, right? I grew up in a house where my parents were fighting. I grew up in a house where my mom became suicidal when my dad eventually left. I grew up in a house where my parents were looking for something else to make them happy, someone else to make them happy, and they kept coming up short. And I remember thinking when I was like 15 and my mom was trying to commit suicide, like, is this all there is? Like, I don't get it. You grow up, you become an adult, you have a marriage where you're pretty unfulfilled, you guys get divorced, and then you just want to die? Like, there's got to be more than sitting around, you know, eating dinner, watching Jeopardy. Like, I just didn't get it. I was like, what is this? Like, what am I hoping to become? I didn't have a model. And so I started to read whatever I could and I started seeking answers. Like, what's the point of this whole thing? What I found is that the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. When they've done studies, when they've looked at this, there's so many incredible TED Talks on this. There's so many books on this. They've found that what really ultimately makes people happier, what makes people live longer, is actually having more meaning in their life. So what is purpose? What is purpose? Purpose is, first of all, knowing that there's something that you have within you that can serve the world. And this is absolutely something that I try to teach my kids. I didn't know that growing up. I didn't feel like I was enough. But I know now that every human being has the ability to make this world better, to make this world more beautiful, to make this world more delicious. And you wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. I don't believe that God makes extras. I feel like there's a reason why every person has a different fingerprint. I don't see why there's an evolutionary need for us each to have a different fingerprint. Unless, of course, no one ever was you and no one ever will be you. So one of the most important things that I hope you learn that you might not have been taught in school is that you're a complete original. 
You are completely an original and there is something that you were put in this world to share. And you might need that resilience in order to try different things until you figure out what that is. And people ask me all the time, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I was never told that I was great at anything. Nobody tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're a great creative writer. You're a great dancer. You're an amazing speaker. You're so good at baking. So here's the thing. You're going to have to spend some time exploring. And that resilience is going to be really important because the clarity follows the doing. We want a quick fix. We want someone to hand us an answer. Hey, welcome to the world. Here's your purpose. It's going to take resilience. It's going to take showing up and saying, I'm going to try this. And then I want you to trust that if you continue to keep your eyes set on, how can I serve? How can I use the strengths that I have? How can I develop whatever's within me to make this world better, more whole? I promise you will be led to where you can make the biggest difference. I have friends who went to the best schools and they have the the fanciest cars and the fanciest homes. And you know what? They don't necessarily have the most fulfilling lives, but the people I know who wake up and feel like something that they're creating, something they're making, something they're doing is touching the life of another person. They feel so charged. They're so ready to wake up and rip it open every single day. So the reason I created this show is because I don't want people to just do a job. I want people to wake up and do their work. And I I want you to stay in your own lane. Part of the problem is that we compare ourselves to other people and we compare our behind the scenes mess to other people's highlight reels. We look at other people and we say, but look at that person and look at this person. Look how they're succeeding and look where I'm at and look how stuck I am. That's not actually even true. You don't see behind the scenes. You don't see all the times that they've tried and failed. So it's not a helpful comparison. And the thing is, it's irrelevant. Because you have something that only you can share. You have something that you've been given, a perspective and a way of looking at things that only you can share. You wouldn't be here otherwise. So if you're here, if you're on the planet, you've been assigned. You've been assigned to teach, to create, to build, to help make this world more beautiful in the way that only you can. And I want you to start thinking about this feeling of purpose and meaning. And I want you to know that you are absolutely significant and that there is something that you have to bring to the world that we need you to bring. And it might take some exploration and it might take some getting out of that comfort zone and taking that class in hand lettering or going ahead and sitting at the piano and seeing if you can write something. And part of it is back to the resilience and the growth mindset. If you want to become a great songwriter, you can't expect yourself to make the best incredible concerto and sonata the first time you sit down. People are not born Mozart, okay? That's not how it works. When we look at these people who we who we have respect for, it's because they were willing to stay in it. And if we're going to do that, we have to be able to have that growth mindset. So that growth mindset is going to carry us through, but the sense of purpose is huge. Something else that's really key is the story you tell. The story you tell yourself about yourself. What what do you tell yourself about your own narrative? So this is important because we can reinterpret and we can retell our stories to ourselves. They've found in the data that the way people reframe the story of their life has so much to do with how fulfilled they are, with the purpose that they feel they have, with the significance they feel they have. So your story is so huge. I have a friend named Mia. She's amazing. When she was 16 years old, she became paralyzed from the waist down. And I know some people who could easily tell a story that said, you know, 
I was living my life and something happened. And ever since then, my life is a mess. My life is a failure. There's no point. We all had stories and that's a pretty drastic one. And Mia says that for a month in the hospital, when she found out that she was paralyzed, she was so depressed, she couldn't open her eyes. She didn't want to live. She said, who am I now? I can't walk. And you know what happened is that very last day of that month, she completely reframed her story. She said, you know what? Now I can't walk, but I wonder if I was able to leave this hospital and I was able to keep going, if maybe, just maybe, I could help mentor and be there for other people who've gone through and deal with really difficult things. And maybe I could actually help those people. So she became a speaker. She started speaking at high schools and colleges. She was even on TV. She had her own series for a while. And she became a beacon of inspiration and light. And she changed her story. And now when she looks back, she's so grateful. In fact, I remember her saying to me that someone had asked her, do you want to be part of a stem cell research project where they could maybe see if they could help you walk? And she said, you know what? Right now, I'm the person who has the ability that when I smile at someone at a crosswalk, when I smile at somebody sitting at a deli, when I go ahead and I give somebody a word of inspiration, people listen to me. I have the ability to change so many people around me because of where I'm at. And she said, I actually look at it now as such a gift that I was given this, this state. And from that, you know what she's deriving constantly purpose. She's giving herself so much purpose. So it's making her happier and happier and happier. And I think that that is fascinating. But every single time I sit down with somebody and I talk about where their fulfillment comes from and why they really feel like they're successful, it's not from the money that's in the bank. It's not from the amount of degrees they have. It's from a feeling that there's something that they're able to do that actually helps other people feel good. And I don't want you to poo-poo your thing. I don't want you to say to yourself, well, Kathy, I just like making pie. Or Kathy, I like making t-shirts. Or you know what? I just wanted to be an animator. How is that as good as your friend Mia? How is that changing the world? That is also a way of making this world more beautiful. In fact, you being the happiest version of you, going and doing your thing, adding your color to this tapestry is an incredible way to give other people around you permission to go do their thing. But in and of itself, think about all the pleasure that you give other people when you do have a pie shop, when you are making cute apparel, when you are creating a movie, when you are making a poetry night, when you are doing your work in this world, I promise you, you're making space for other people. And one thing I want to talk about now is the key to creating a successful business that we don't talk about in school. So it all has to do with what we're talking about right now, and that is meaning. When we had Seth Godin on the podcast, he said at the heart of every successful endeavor is radical empathy. If you want to create a successful business, it's really thinking about what we were just saying. How do you create more meaning? How do you create more purpose? How do you give to other human beings? So creating community is huge. And I wish that instead of, you know, spending as much time as they do on math and science, they would spend time helping people understand how to connect with other people. When, when all is said and done, what people remember, it's not your sales pitch and it's not your IQ. It's how you make them feel. 
That's what people remember. And right now with the ability to, to pick up your smartphone and talk to people from all over the world or get on your laptop and create a blog or start a podcast or just put something out there on Facebook Live, no matter what your business is, whether you're making cupcakes or you're teaching yoga or you're helping kids read, at the end of the day, you need an audience. At the end of the day, the way to make that work is to show up for people in your tribe consistently. And it's so important to really understand that this is all that we should be thinking about. It's not about how many people are subscribing. It's how many people are you helping? It's not about how many likes. It's about how many people are you actually feeling that you're offering value to? No matter what you're going to have to offer, whether it's an actual product or a service or a piece of content, you need an audience. And what Seth Godin was saying is marketing is not about spending all this money to convince people to do something that's interrupting their day that they don't want to do. It's about sharing something that's so valuable, that's so cool that this person can't help but tell their friend and that person tells their friend. So we need to think about creating community and we need to think about purpose because ultimately creating meaning and purpose in our own life and creating meaning and purpose in the lives of people around us is what ultimately makes things successful in the societies where people spend time trying to help each other feel seen everything works. And in the moments where it's all about, are you seeing me? I want all eyes on me. How do I get other people to see me? Things just start to fall apart. Another cool thing is this idea of positivity. Angela Duckworth wrote a book on grit and it's all about resilience and it's all about staying in things and the stick to and how important that is. But what she says that's fascinating is that there is a correlation between optimism and grit. So what we learn is that if you want to have more grit and stamina and resilience, you need to be more positive. And that's actually something you can cultivate. People say, well, I don't know. I'm just not a positive person. I don't know. I'm actually kind of cynical. I don't believe that way. I don't think that way. You can change that. But that is something that we do need to spend time on every single day. Sean Anker wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage, and he talks about how 90% of our happiness is determined not by our external circumstances, but by the way we perceive the world around us. Research shows that 75% of job success, it's not based on talent. It's based on how well we handle stress and our optimism around challenges, how much we're willing to just say like, let's keep going and, and the way that we perceive what's actually happened. Often we think if I work harder, I'll be more successful. And if I'm more successful, I'll be happier. But what happens is every time we win, every time we succeed, we move that goalpost. So we never get there. We never then reach that happiness. So what we really need is we actually need the ability to perceive whatever challenges are going on and to cultivate optimism around it. And that actually leads us to feeling purposeful. It leads us to feeling excited about whatever the challenge is. Okay, so how can you become more optimistic? Is it possible? It is. They've done studies. They've actually seen that people's brains can change. You can add more dopamine. You can actually become more resilient if you have more optimism. So here's one thing that you could try. He says that you can spend two minutes a day for 21 days and completely rewire your brain to be happier. Here's what you do. Number one, write down three things you're grateful for every day. Number two, journal about an experience every day that you enjoyed, something positive, something that happened throughout that day. Number three, spend a little time exercising, even if it's like you do one minute of push-ups. Number four, meditation, right? You could do even like a 30-second visual meditation, thinking about all the things that you're grateful for, and also doing random acts of kindness. 
doing a random act of kindness every single day, it starts to create a ripple effect. When you start thinking about what you're grateful for, when you start journaling about things that happened that were positive, do you know what happens? You relive it just by journaling it. So then your body actually experiences those same endorphins just by writing it down. Meditation, same thing. And then when you're doing something kind for someone else, it starts to change the way you view your circumstances. So the lens through which you view the world it actually shapes your reality. So I want you to think about this because this is essential. There's over 151,000 books on Amazon related to how do you find your life's purpose. So clearly this is something that we are all searching for. And I think it's simple. I think we have to wake up every day and say, how can I serve? What do I have? You know, I'm pretty good at baking. You know, I'm pretty good at teaching. You know, I'm pretty good at piano. How can I use whatever is in there to serve? And I do believe if you have the urge to do something, it wouldn't be put there unless it was ultimately going to lead you to where you're supposed to be. So follow it. It's true. Follow your bliss. But part of it's going to mean you're going to be uncomfortable, right? Part of it's going to mean you're actually going to have to face the fact that maybe you're not completely at peace with exactly how things are. Now, one of the things that I think gets in the way I think the biggest thing is this whole lie that we tell ourselves all the time. And the lie is that we tell people like, I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's great. Everything's fine. You know, you, you run into somebody in the grocery store. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How's everything? Good. Everything's great. You know, this is what we do. This is what everyone says. If you check and scroll through your text, this is everybody's patented answer, right? So why do we do this? Why do we tell ourselves we're fine? So if you've been on the planet for more than a decade, if you've been on the planet for a little while, you've experienced heartbreak, you've experienced disappointment, and you've been through stuff. It's hard, right? We've all been through really big stuff. And so we get this brilliant idea and we tell ourselves, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. If I want to avoid being hurt, if I want to avoid having my heart broken, I know what I'm going to do. I won't want anything. I won't need anything. I won't want something better. And then I won't be hurt if I don't get it. It's really brilliant as a tactic to keep yourself from feeling the pain. It takes so much courage to really let yourself want what you want. I mean, how many of us watched those movies? There's been so many of them. Like in the 80s, I was watching all these great movies. And I remember in Pretty in Pink watching how for the first like hour and 15 minutes of that movie, you, you watch painfully how John Cryer, he doesn't want to tell Molly Ringwald that he's in love with her because he's so afraid that if he tells her, he's going to get rejected. And finally, at the end of the movie, he tells her, you know what? I'm in love with you. And she doesn't feel the same way, but he survives it. He survives it. And it takes tremendous courage for him to actually admit that. It takes tremendous bravery to say, I do want this. I do want this. And you know what? I'm going to step in and I'm going to go for it. And it might be scary and I might be overwhelmed and I might not feel like I've got it all together. But gosh, that is when you open the door for incredible things to happen. And you, again, you are here for a reason. So if you really, truly want to show up in this world, You've got to be willing to step forward and then you will be led to where you're supposed to be. You know, for some reason in my career, I've always been willing to be vulnerable 
and really want things and not say like rationalize them away or I don't really want it or I don't really want a record deal or no, it's okay. I don't really want to do music or no, it's okay. I don't really want to do a podcast. No, I'll put my heart out there and I'll say, I really want this to work. I really want this and I'll go for it. And it's funny how I have to learn the same lesson like in my marriage. You know, when I was growing up, my dad at one point, he walked right out that door and he never turned around. He never came back. And my mom fell apart and my mom struggled with depression and she didn't want to be on the planet. And it was really hard to be with someone who had all these suicidal thoughts and was in such a difficult time. And I think I witnessed this and I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to need anybody like that. And I'm not going to really want that. So then no one will ever be able to destroy me like that. And so in my marriage, this is something that we struggle with. And my husband has so much empathy and he's so there because so quickly sometimes I'll be like, it's okay. I don't even want this. I don't even need this. It's okay. That's the way that I defend myself. Because if I really get hurt, instead of saying I'm hurt and that was so painful for me, I just say, you know, I don't really even need this. I can take care of myself. And then he'll say, stop it. Just stop. That's not true. Why do you do that? And it's scary, right? It's scary to want what we want. And I think that that's ultimately why people don't go for it, why we don't take the chance with our career, why we don't actually get off the bench. Because what happens if you get off the bench and you go to make the shot and you miss the basket? You think to yourself, I won't be able to bear it. But guess what? If you stand there and you keep making free throws, you're going to nail it. And if you keep making free throws and you put your whole self in it and it doesn't seem to be working out, there might be something along the way where you get this message that, you know what, you should be working on this side of the court. You're really good at this. You're a great scout or you'd be so good coaching or you'd be so good working in marketing for this or whatever it is. But you can only get there if you're willing to want what you want and go ahead and go for it. And I don't think we should have shame around the fact that we're imperfect. We are all messy, self-sabotaging, awesome, crazy, nervous, courageous, and we're terrified at the same time. We're all of the things, and I feel like they don't teach us this in school. And things are measured, and it all has to do with what you can produce, what you can achieve, and the letter grade next to a test score. You are so much more than that. And so many of our guests, they didn't get the best grades. Chris Gillibo was a high school dropout. He has one of the most successful podcasts. He's written several best-selling books. Tamara Mellon dropped out of school when she was 16. When she, before she started Jimmy Choo, she was in rehab. She had just lost her job, and she didn't know where her life was going. Mandy Moore, she didn't go to college. Gigi Butler, we just had her on our show. She has 100 cupcake shops. She didn't go to college. Bobby Brown just sold her makeup line for over a billion dollars. She started out, she was a waitress. Jonathan Adler was a senior in college. They profiled two seniors, one who they thought was going to be clearly super successful, and the other one was Jonathan. They said, here he is graduating. He has no idea what he's going to do with his life. And he said, I don't know. Maybe I'll just move to Santa Fe and weave baskets. Alex Benayan was two days away from his finals, his freshman year of college. And he said to himself, I don't even want to do pre-med. I don't want to do any of this. And he went to the library and he said, I want to find a book on how a person becomes successful in their life. 
and the book he was looking for, he couldn't find. So he said, I wish I could write that book. Instead of going to college and reading all these books and taking all these tests, I'd rather go and get the answers to those questions from people who've actually done this with their life. And so the night before the exams, instead of pulling an all-nighter studying, he pulled an all-nighter trying to figure out how to get on The Price is Right because a friend of his said, there's a taping of The Price is Right tomorrow. And he's like, what if I got on The Price is Right and I won and I sold everything I won and then I could use that money, drop out of college and fund my journey to go talk to all these successful people. And he went, figured out how to hack The Price is Right, got on, won the entire thing, sold the sailboat and everything else. And he wound up going on a journey and meeting with Steven Spielberg, Lady Gaga, Bill Gates, and he asked them these questions. And so much of what's in his book so much of what it actually takes. It wasn't in his college textbooks and it wasn't on that Scantron test. It's about your vision for how you're going to use your gifts to make the world better. It's about being resilient and sticking to it. Even when it's going to be uncomfortable, even when you're not going to have all the answers, you're going to keep going. It's about knowing that ultimately you're enough. So it's okay if it's messy. That's part of it. And it's about knowing that in order to make brilliant things, you're going to have to make mediocre things. So it's about going for it and knowing that ultimately what you're really chasing is this ability to take something that you have within you and give it to the world to make the world more whole and more beautiful. There's an incredible word. I've used it before. It's called the ikigai. It's a Japanese word that helps us understand what this is really all about. It's the intersection of three points, what you're great at, what you love doing. And the third thing is the most essential. What you have to offer that actually other people need. So I wish they talked about this every single day in school. I wish the kids sat down and the teacher said, first thing, you're enough. Second thing, you don't have to be perfect. Third thing, when things are hard, you're going to keep going. Fourth thing, you were put in this world with something only you can deliver. Fifth thing, I want you to keep exploring until you find that thing inside of you that this world cannot live without. And sixth thing, rinse and repeat. Do that every single day. Wake up knowing that all of those things are true. And if you can keep at it and if you can be resilient in the face of what life is going to throw you, because ultimately, if you know that the story is that you were put here because there's something that you have to offer that will make this world better. And if you can keep fighting for that without the need for immediate results, without the need to be perfect, you're going to find fulfillment. You're going to be happier. It's going to change the way you look at your paradigm and you are going to make something amazing. So that's why I'm doing this podcast. And I hope that if this inspired you, you're going to come back week after week and we're going to remind you that all of this is true and it's going to carry you through. And come January 1st, you're already going to have been planting seeds and doing some exploration. And 2019 is going to be your year. You're going to rip it open. No excuses. I believe in you guys. I want so much to hold up a mirror to every single one of you to sit with you and go, do you see this? Please look in this mirror. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't know it's true and you can hear it in my voice. So the research suggests we've got something we got to give to the world. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about happiness. You don't have to put it on the priority list. It's going to come and find you every time. Ask yourself, where can I serve? 
What do I have inside of me? How can I get out of my comfort zone? How can I create it? What's the next thing I can make? Should I get in the kitchen and work on recipes? Should I be sitting down at the piano today? What is that thing that's been calling to you and gnawing at you? And you know what? If you allow yourself to not be perfect and then you go ahead and sit down and try to write that book, it's going to go a whole lot better. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, share it with a friend. It helps us tremendously. If you want, you can come follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller. I show up there every single day. I do live stuff there as well as some giveaways. We also have a community at Don't Keep Your Day Job on Facebook. You can find us there at the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page and Facebook group. It's a supportive place where you can talk about where you're at and what you're struggling with or what you're overcoming. And you will find a refreshing, incredible community there of people who are going to support you and help you on your way. No one else will ever be you. No one else was ever you. Stop second-guessing yourself. Stop selling yourself short. You've got this. You've been through way harder stuff than this. This is nothing on what you've already been through. You already have a story inside of you that is a hero's journey. And I know if you reframed your story, instead of looking at your life as a failure in any aspect, you could say, look what I've already overcome. Now, what can I do with that? How can I inspire people from that place? I hope you guys have an awesome day and I'll talk to you guys next week. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Everybody's got a little something.